Amen. Amen. Hey, greet somebody around you today before you sit down. Hopefully you get a chance to say hi to someone. And if you are a first through fifth grader, first through fifth grade, come on up real quick. First through fifth grade, up on the stage with me. First through fifth grade, come on up, man. And if, you, if you're in middle school and you're like, hey, I feel left out, you could come too because you would love this book. Lauren, come on. Come on, Lauren. You just come up with me just so I don't feel like I'm alone. Come on, guys, girls, up on the stage. Go this way. Some of you, there you go. One middle schooler, that's two. Come on, you guys. You, now, come on. Don't make me come down there. There we go. There we, we got another middle school. Yeah, come on. This will be fun. You'd, yeah. If you're younger and you're in the room and you wanted to come too, I just come on, just sit down here. I'm going to read you guys a story, all right? I love this book. Yeah, you can, you can help me. Want to help me turn the pages? Yes, awesome. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, there you go. Come on up, Cam. You can get a little closer. I won't bite you, I promise. She's like, I'm not so sure. Awesome. Well, it's my favorite chair. Did you know this? This is actually a chair from my house. This is the throne. This is the king's throne in my house. Only the king. But you've seen it before. That's right. <laughs> Usually there's like a, like a thing that's vibrating my back while I'm sitting in it, but I didn't bring it with me today. But I'm going to read this book. This book is called Nighttime is Just Daytime with Your Eyes Closed. All right? It's written by a guy named Mark Lowry. And it's about a mouse named Piper who is a little bit hyper. You guys know anybody like that? Any hyper... You're not hyper? No? Yeah. He's kind of hyper. What are you pointing at your brother for? Yeah, he's kind of hyper. All right, so let's read. Down through the valley and just past the trees where the red robin ride on warm summer breeze and lilacs and lilies bloom under the blue skies is a place full of adventure and sweet lullabies. So you can see the picture. There you go. In a small, tiny village, much like your own, lives Piper the Mouse in Piper's Mouse home. And the name of the town is none other than Cheddar. Isn't that funny? And no mouse could have chosen a name any better. You want to scoot in a little bit so you can see the pictures. You've got to get the full effect here. All right? Well, Piper was hyper, as everyone knows. Piper was hyper from his head to his toes. Even when moonlight and stars came to play and he had to lie down at the end of the day, energy oozed from every pore with a mind full of questions and daydreams and more. His head would be still, but oh, how his mind would dance through the galaxies one at a time. Have you ever felt like that at night when you're trying to be still and lay down and you just couldn't stop thinking? Maybe that's an adult thing. I don't know. Sleeping was fine for the rest of his kin. He'd hear Grandpa snore from his chair in the den. His brothers and sisters, they needed their rest. And his mom always said, sleep can rest you the best. But Piper would toss and he would yawn and he'd squirm. He'd wiggle and jiggle like a little brown worm. And he'd flip and he'd flop. And it says, till his sheets were in a knot. And his pillow was somewhere down south by his socks. Some of you are wishing you were up here with us right now. So Papa told Piper of about a land far away where little mice play in the heat of the day. Far around the world, clean out of sight. The sun is still shining while here it is night. God knows how you little mice like to play, so he invented a way to turn night into day. Piper sat up in his bed with his eyes wide open, 
This was the very thing for which he had been hoping. Piper told Papa how great that would be. I could jump over the rivers and climb up a tree. If I could go there, wouldn't that be the best? Then all of the rest of you could just get some rest. I'm speaking of a dreamland. You don't want to miss it. For marvelous adventures await all who visit. You can fly over the mountains or breathe under the sea. Why, you can eat 50 burgers at one time, if you please. Wouldn't that be awesome? Some of you guys are like, yes! His mind began filling with possible dreams. His head was now spinning with adventurous schemes. And before very long, before Piper knew it, he fell fast asleep because there wasn't much to it. He dreamed a deliciously colorful dream, red lollipop treetops and blueberry streams, houses of chocolate with frosting on top, mm, just like the cupcakes outside, whose chimneys were stuffed with banana gumdrops. The air smelled like hot buttered cinnamon toast. Mmm, makes you want to have some, doesn't it? And the birds sang sweet songs as they winged towards the coast. The grass at the playground was purple, not green, and the pond at the park had a bubble machine. Then Piper decided he wanted to fly, so he stretched out his arms and aimed towards the sky. With a jump and a kick, old Piper was soaring. This is fun, he exclaimed, and not a bit boring. He flew past his schoolyard and over his friends. He waved to his teacher as he swooped by again. He decided to fly with his tail all a-curled. He decided to fly clear around the world. Past islands, past valleys, past mountains and streams, he flew past to Hawaii. What a wonderful dream. With the ocean below him, he continued to flight. He flew out of nighttime right into daylight. He landed in China. It seemed he had been hurled as quick as a blink clear around the world. Papa was right. The sun was still shining. He was, he started to, or he was startled to hear a mouse who was whining. What do you think he was whining about? Because it was time to go to bed. You guys whine when it's time to go to bed? When you get older, you're whining because you, you want to go to bed and you just can't because you're so tired. You'll know about that one of these days. I don't want to nap, the little mouse said. I know you don't, son, but it's time for bed. God gave us this time so our bodies can grow and our minds can remember the things that we should know. Piper wanted to tell him, we all need our rest. And how Mama used to always say, sleep can rest you the best. But his eyelids got heavy and he nodded his head and his heart wished that he was home in bed. Then sunlight had crept through a hole in the tree. He opened it, one eye, it says, waiting to see. Was he still up in the air? Was he under his covers? Or was he in China? Or was he in South Carolina? But Piper was still at home in his bed, and somehow his nightcap was still on his head, and morning had come another new day. His family was up. He had something to say. I spent the night dreaming such wonderful dreams. I felt just like playing, even better, it seems. I have to admit it, Papa, you were right. Dreams are a fun way to get through the night. And just as God created the day, he created the night in his own special way. There's a lesson for us, and here's how it goes. Nighttime is just daytime with your eyes closed. The Lord loves, or the Lord gives those he loves rest. Did you know that? Psalm 127. Now time to go to bed. Good night. Thank you guys. Go on.
Today we're talking about the spiritual discipline of rest. The practice of rest. It's called driving in the slow lane. Driving in the slow lane. Like, I don't know how many of you actually enjoy driving in the slow lane. Some of you are in such a hurry to get to where you're going, you always like to be in the fast lane. I don't mind sometimes. Matter of fact, my kids will tell you, Dad prefers to drive in the slow lane. Mom does not. We won't talk about who has the most speeding tickets in our home. You can guess it's not me. (laughs) Driving in the slow lane, the practice of rest. So this week, in order to practice this, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do nothing. No pancakes today. Sorry if you missed it last week. If you don't know what I'm talking about, ask somebody around you. No Chris cakes today. And so this week, I just want you to rest. I want you to look for opportunities to find some time to be still. Some time to be silent if you can. And I would love for you to snap a picture or have someone take a picture of you, whatever, whatever it is that you find t- time to rest this week, I want you to take a picture of it and send it to me, okay? Say, Brady, this is me resting. You know, for me, it might be a picture in my recliner. By the way, this chair was given to me. Remember I talked about not too long ago, if you want your pastor to pray for you and think about you, often give him something. So every time I sit in this chair, I think about the couple who gave me this chair. I, I'm serious, every time. So there you go. So we must admit, though, we all find ourselves, or at least most of us find ourselves, way too busy. Way too busy in the culture we live in. And a guy named Carl Gustav Jung, who is a, was a Swiss psycho, psychiatrist and a psychoanalyst, actually was quoted to have said that busyness is just not from the devil. Busyness is the devil. And I think the reason why is because it keeps us so distracted away from the things that we need to be focused on. And it might not be that we're busy doing things that are bad, but the reality is, is we're probably just busy doing things that are just not the best. We're just busy for busy's sake. And that's something we always talk about, right? Hey, man, how's it going? How you doing? Man, I'm just busy. Really? Yeah, me too. We're all busy. Busy doing what? Oh, you know, just busy doing. One guy told me yesterday, he's like, uh, raising kid, working, raising kids, and working out. That's, that's what I'm busy. So I'm at the YMCA. I mean, there's a lot worse things, obviously. And our minds are constantly racing, like Piper the mouse. Taking time to just be still becomes a difficult task. And when we do be still, we feel guilty about it. Oh man, like I'm, I'm sitting here and ah, there's a lot of things I could be doing right now. I mean, it's a list a mile long. And matter of fact, I don't do well during the day when my wife's not there, when I'm sitting in my chair at my house because I'm thinking about all the things I should be up doing. And maybe the holiest thing I could do is this <laughs> and just be still. But I feel bad about it because there's so many tasks. There's so many people who need me. There's so many things I've got to be doing. And we, sur- we suffer from hurry sickness. The book uh, that we're going through this, this series, um, Habits for Our Holiness, says we suffer from hurry sickness and it can lead to a chaotic heart. Or it may just be a sign that our heart is in the wrong place and our focus is off. The Bible places a very high value on rest and peaceful living. This comes from uh, this website that I use a lot called gotquestions.org. Listen to this uh, quote. It has a scripture involved in it. He said, 
Um, during Jesus' earthly ministry, he himself escaped the busyness of the crowds occasionally to renew his strength. Mark 6.31 says, Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. So he said to his disciples, Come with me by ourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. It's difficult, if not impossible, for us to hear God's still, quiet voice over the roar of the 21st century crowds. So like Jesus, we must take time to rest and hear from our Lord. And from the beginning of time, God knew that we needed space and time to be rejuvenated, to be recentered, if you will. So he built in a time each week, and he called it the Sabbath. Do you know he's serious about the Sabbath? Because it's part of the top ten. You know, it's God's top ten, and there's more language about the Sabbath than there is about any of the rest of them. Like, he's pretty serious about us taking some time away. The Sabbath literally means to stop, to rest, to um, pause, whatever it is that's going on. And to rest is to reflect. Like, if you're just resting for resting's sake, it's just a good nap. But if you're resting to, in order to reflect and focus on the one who gives you the rest in the first place, then it be, has a purpose and a meaning to it. And so the rest is to reflect. Uh, we were, Trish and I were listening to some devotional stuff last night before bed, and a lady was talking about the Sabbath, and she was talking about it in the sense of abiding, to remain in, just to rest in his presence. Even if it's just for a moment to stop and, and know that he's present, like he's here with me, even in the midst of maybe the most difficult time in my life, God is here. And therefore, I'm okay. To rest, especially in the culture, in Jesus' culture, to rest was to trust. To rest was to trust that God was going to provide for you that day, that you didn't need to work that day. You didn't need to go and out and get food that day or prepare because God was going to take care of it for you. And he built that time in for a purpose. So how can we do that? How can we rest? For one, physical rest. Piper's mom said, sleep can rest you the best. We, we need to sleep. And I know it might be a challenge for some, or you might have trouble sleeping for whatever reason. 90% of the time, it's easy for me to sleep. <laughs> I lay down, kiss my wife goodnight, and I'm out. Just like that. Not all the time, but most of the time. But for some, sleep, is, sleep comes hard for you. For whatever reason, whether your mind just can't slow down, too many things going on, uh, too many worries, might be the cup of coffee at 8 o'clock. I don't know if that's the reason. Typically, if I have a cup of coffee at 8 o'clock, I'll fall asleep and then wake up at 2, <laughs> wide awake, because it catches up with me. Some of you have the ability to drink coffee, and not, it doesn't even bother you. Man, you go right to sleep, and you're fine. That's definitely not me. Other than sleep, what are some ways we can rest? Let's look at some practical things that you should know. For one, you can experience some solitude. Look for opportunities to be alone. Uh, maybe you go on a retreat. Maybe you take some set-apart time and say, I'm going to go on a retreat for two or three days. I'm just going to go and be, a, be away. Uh, go on a walk. Uh, go for a drive. Go on a hunt. 
Some of you guys are like, yes. Because that provides you solitude. It provides you a space and time to just be, like for people, the holiest place they can find is in a deer stand because they're away and they're alone and they're, they're alone with their thoughts. Do you know that actually getting away helps you be more present when you're with other people? Like it's not being selfish to get away. It's good to say, you know what, I'm going to go away for a while in order that I can be more with you when I'm here. But if we're never alone, if we're always just in the mix, it, sometimes it's hard to be present at the time. So look for an opportunity to find some solitude. Uh, silence. We want to be quiet before the Lord so he can speak to us. And so look for ways to allow God to have your undivided attention. He actually says, be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. If you have little kids or teenagers, you might be thinking, how in the world, Brady? <laughs> I mean, Brady, do you know? Do you know what it's like in my house? Well, it used to be like that in my house. <laughs> so I have two words for you. Duck tape. <laughs> Here's a little side note, a little interesting thing you can learn. The first time, um, or the first name for this tape was indeed duck tape. It was made in World War II for the U.S. military because they wanted a waterproof tape. Since it was waterproof, people called it duck tape, like water off a duck's back. That's where the name came from. Did you know that? Didn't know it. Something that you can take with you tonight as you lay down to rest. And you'll rest better knowing that information, right? Duck tape. So on a serious note, on a serious note, uh, look for opportunities to be still or to be silent. Maybe times for, you know, maybe the best better word instead of duct tape would be babysitter <laughs> and look for a chance to have someone come so that you can go away together and be quiet before the Lord now this might seem a bit oxymoronic but what about serving others as a way to, to find rest I think there's something powerful that happens when we set self aside and learn to bless then someone else there's something beautiful about that. Your, your body might be tired, but your soul finds rest in loving other people and just being there for them and giving to them. Maybe, maybe your rest is coming to a young family and saying, I will take care of your kids tonight. You go be quiet and I will serve you. Young families in our church, that's probably what they need more than anything else is a break. Amen. Yes. Right there, all right? Someone connect with that woman, set up a time, all right? Let's, let's do it right now. Go to her right now <laughs> and say, I'm yours. Just tell me when. No, I'm, I'm, but I'm not joking. Like, especially parents that we've already paid, the, paid our dues and we know what it's like, let's step back into the mix. It's only for one night. It's two hours maybe. And say, don't pay me anything. I just want to bless you. I want to give you some rest. So that those parents could be more present with their kids when they're with them. We know, man, my wife and I know, the door was revolving in our home. And, it, we just, and just like that, that time is gone. We were walking on the soccer fields that Eliza played on when she was just a little girl. And it's over. 
And it seemed like, really, literally, it was just like yesterday. So look for that opportunity. Uh, And then this. Spend time with each other. Get together with friends and just relax. Sit at their kitchen table and just share your story. It's restful. Two times in the past month, Trisha and I have done just that. It's funny, we go to someone's house, we have dinner, we never leave the table. It's like we're just stuck there, like there's a couch right over there, but we just stay at the table because that's where the conversation is happening and we're afraid to move because we don't want it to end. And it's restful. For one, it's restful because you realize, man, I am not the only one that struggled with that. I'm not alone. Like there are other people walking through the same thing that I'm walking through, and it's okay. So find time and be intentional about it. You, it it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen by accident. You have to be intentional about it. You have to make plans. You have to stick with it. You have to make a promise and stick with it. And be intentional about being with each other. Just enjoy being present with the other person. All right, turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 11. This is, this is the spiritual rest that I want to speak to you about this morning. Matthew chapter 11. At the end of Matthew 11. So try to give you Try to give you some context, okay? Like, why, why was Jesus saying these words? What was, what was going on at the time? And so Jesus is, is building relationships with his followers and, and with other people that are coming into the, the body of Christ. Just like every single week, we get to see new faces and new people are coming in and they're getting to know each other and getting to know us. And so Jesus is having this conversation, and he's finding, I think, a lot of these people are coming to him, and they're tired. Not just physically tired, but they're spiritually worn out because of the oppression that the system at that particular time has placed on them. Things that you should do and things you shouldn't do. And Jesus is just seeing them, and he's thinking to himself, I know he's got to be thinking, it doesn't have to be this complicated. Christianity doesn't have to be so difficult. It's, man, love him and love each other. And he's, and he's seeing these people come to him, and this is what he says to him. says to them, it says, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you Sabbath. I will give you peace. He says, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then I love the fact how he goes on and he gives a story about the Sabbath and and events that took place on the Sabbath. And these people were weighed down. Literally, the teachers of the law in that particular day, there were over 600 different things that you had to remember to do or not to do on the Sabbath. Can you imagine that? How how do you even keep up with all that? It would be like me giving you a list of 600 different things to do and not to do while you're here today. 
or when you leave here today. All right, thank you for coming. Glad you're here. But these are 600 different things you got to be careful about when you leave here today. There's no freedom in that. There's no rest in that. It's oppressive. It's oppressive. So here's some, here's some thoughts that, uh, that I discovered as I was studying about this. In this particular passage, there's two types of rest that he's speaking of. The first one is when we come to Christ, we find um, rest that comes through forgiveness of sin. When you come to Jesus, when you put your faith in Jesus, you find forgiveness of sin, and there's no better rest in all the earth. If you're still carrying around that burden of sin and you've never given it to Jesus, you're oppressed, and you don't have rest in your life. And Jesus is saying, come to me, and I will give it to you. you take, I'll take your sin, I'll give you rest. That's the great exchange. And he's talking about salvation. Salvation for your soul. When we have obtained the rest that he gives, it says, then we'll be ready to hear a further rest that we need to find. Okay? So the first part is, is you come to Christ, he, he sets us free, he forgives us of our sin, we are saved, we're we have a place in heaven. We have this, this place with him. And we know that we're set apart for him. And we have that salvation. That's, that's the first step. And that first step comes when we put our trust in him. It's that salvation that, that helps us remember that our tomorrow is in his hands. So we know that our tomorrow is in his hands. So no matter what happens to me today, I know he's got my tomorrow. And I can trust him in that. I find rest in that. I can sit down at the end of the day and know that no matter what happens, if I sit down in this chair and I never wake up again here on earth, that I'm in his presence and I can rest knowing that. But these people were shackled by this heavy burden. Trying to earn God's favor somehow by following all these things. And so Jesus says, that yoke is too heavy. Take off that yoke. I'm going to give you something different. Here comes the second rest. The second rest you will find when you learn to walk in obedience with Jesus. When you take his yoke and you place it on you, you learn to walk with him in this life. You learn to walk in obedience and you find freedom in that obedience. Listen, kids, is it joyful in your home when you're disobedient to your parents? It's not joyful at all, is it? It's oppressive and it doesn't feel good at all. There's no freedom. There's no rest there. But when we are walking in obedience, when we're doing the right thing, when we know that we are listening, <laughs> we're not only hearing, but we're actually actually doing there's great freedom in that. I just know in my own life, when I've walked in disobedience or I've got sin that I'm dealing with, I do not feel free at all. I feel terrible. I feel yucky. And I have a friend that I go to and say, man, I just feel, I just feel terrible today. I just my thought life or whatever it is, I don't feel free. Have you ever been there? As adults, we've all been there, right? Kids, you're just learning. But as adults, we're, we've been there. But he's saying, that when you take this yoke upon you and learn from me, because I'm lowly and humble in heart, and when you've, you'll find rest for your souls, because my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Charles Spurgeon, who, who, who wrote a lot of study notes in this Bible that I use, he says, we shall not only find rest from the guilt of sin, 
Now this he gives us, but we shall find rest and peace and holiness when we walk with him in obedience. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to do because we're so distracted. There's so much noise. There's so many other voices in our head. That's the reason why we got to find time away and find time to sit and, and be still and be silent in his presence. In 1 John 2, chapter, or verse 6, we, we, we discovered this last night as we were listening to these devotionals. It says that we are to walk as Jesus walked. Okay? So when you think about what does it mean to walk in obedience, walk as Jesus walked. So what does that look like? What does that look like to walk as Jesus walked? To love like Jesus. To um, show kindness and compassion like Jesus. To speak truth and love like Jesus. It doesn't mean that we're going to be just like Jesus and go hang on a cross for the world. That's not, that's not what he called us to do. But he calls us to imitate him. I love this thought. When we put our faith in Jesus, it's our initiation into Christ. When we desire to walk like Jesus, it's our imitation of Christ. And so I don't know what I'm supposed to do, Brad. I don't know what God's calling me to do. Live like Christ. Imitate Christ. If you do that, if you press into that, if you want to know what that looks like more and more and more, then you'll know what he wants for your life. You're not going to know it without that. There's no way. So his system of living and loving is simple. It says love God, love each other. And here's the cool thing. We don't do this alone. Listen, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. It dwells in us. The Holy Spirit, listen, rests in us. Takes up residence in us and it helps us live this out. You can't do it on your own. You can't love on your own. You need help. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. It helps us do that. The Bible says we have everything we need for godliness living inside of us already. Everything we need is already inside of us. Therefore, not only can we know that we have hope and rest for tomorrow, we can find hope and rest in today because the Holy Spirit lives in us. So this come to me is a divine prescription for all that ails us. It's the divine prescription for rest in our life. It's to come to Jesus. Is Tony back there? Where's he at? See if he's back there. Tony and Elon. Alright. I have a video. I have a video that I want to show you in just a minute. We gotta get the door unlocked so we can turn the lights out so I can show it to you. But I want to finish, I want to finish with this thought before, because what we're getting ready to do is we're gonna come, we're gonna do the Lord's Supper together. And uh, but I want to show you this video first. But I want to share this thought. I want to finish with this thought. And I think this is a uh, it's just the profound gospel truth. For those of us who are in Christ, if we know Jesus, if we put our hope in Jesus, if Jesus is our Savior, in death, we will experience a sweet rest that will last forever. 
A sweet rest that will last forever. You hear the phrase all the time, rest in peace. R.I.P., rest in peace. In Christ, we grieve, but we don't have to grieve without hope because we know that we rest in peace. And it's a peace that will last forever. But the other end of that coin is for those who reject Jesus. In death, they will experience an eternal restlessness that will never go away. And I don't know what heaven looks like. I don't know what hell looks like. But I know that if I get to choose between restfulness and restlessness, I know what my choice should be. And so the gospel presents that to us every single time we come and we hear it. We hear this, this, this um, invitation from Jesus that says, come to me. Come. Come and find rest. Let go of what are, what, what, these other things that we're holding on to that we think are somehow going to provide us with peace and joy and rest in our life and almost become a trap to us. He's saying let go of those things. And come and find rest. Rest for your souls, it says. For Jesus is taking off this thing that's so oppressive to us and he's giving us something that's easy and light. And so the invitation this morning is to come to the table so I want, to, I want you to close your eyes right now. I want you to, to just, just make this a prayer. So Lord, we, we come before you this morning and, and we all have to admit we just need rest. Some of it's physical. Some of it's spiritual. And we hear, we hear your invitation today. We hear this invitation for you that says to come. And in order for us to fully receive it, then we, it's going to require something of us. It's more than just hearing about it. It's taking a step. It's, it's coming to, to you and allowing you to, to make this great exchange. If, we, if we're here this morning, we've never given our life to Jesus. We've never asked Christ to come and live in us and, and the Holy Spirit to come live in us to help us live this life out. Then, then the exchange is death for life. And I pray if there's someone here that needs to have that experience today that they would call on the name of Jesus and be saved. So if that's you this morning, right where you're at, just call in the name of Jesus. Say, Jesus, please, would you come? As I step towards you, would you step towards me? And would you come, would you forgive me? And then for those who, who already know you, Lord Jesus, and they are needing to walk in more obedience with you today than yesterday, and to experience the rest that comes when we walk with you. And we experience you walking with us and the joy that comes just knowing that we're in this right relationship with you, God. Would that, maybe that's the heart's cry of so many that are in the room today.
And so, when you give us this invitation, Lord, would we, would we answer it? We just pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
So that's the, uh, that's the invitation. To not just come to this table, but to come to Jesus as you come to the table. The way we do it here, if you're new to uh, our, our church, is we're going to go row by row. Um, and as you come forward, if you came prepared to give an offering today, I love the fact that you get to give before you receive. Um, if you have your attendance sheet on that bulletin, pull that out, fill that out, and you can drop that in the basket too. So joy will kind of be your guide, and so we'll go row by row. And you're going to come forward. So if you're serving communion today, why don't you go ahead and come forward. And you're going to go row by row, and you're going to come, and you're going to take a piece of bread. And you're going to take a little thimble, a uh, little cup full of juice, and you're going to go back to your seat. And you're going to wait, and we'll do it all together, okay? We'll eat together. Um, so the, here's the deal. If you belong to Jesus, you belong to the table. And... And then once we have it all together, like I said, we'll, we'll share it and um, then we'll be done. So go ahead and stand up. The front row will go first and then we'll go, everyone go to your right so you can come around and go back to your seat.